0: My name is Ella Kate Marici, and you are listening to More Than Child's Play with your host, my mommy, Lacey Morrissey, and my Aunt Nicole Surgeon. They are authors, therapists, and most importantly, mommies, and man, can they talk. So sit back and relax and learn from their village. We hope
1: you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of More Than Child's Play. This is your host, Nicole Surgent, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Lacey Marisi. If you've missed the last couple episodes, be sure to um, check them out. Lacey has really been killing it with some great um, speech and language and feeding-related podcast with some experts in her field. Um, so be sure to check those out if you haven't. Today we're gonna we're gonna do something new. Um, as opposed to having another guest, Lacey and I are going to chat together to share some information with you. Um, we have in the past done a course for MedBridge education for therapists, um, regarding roadblocks to natural development or things that kind of get in the way of children developing typically and naturally. And we are in the trenches of updating that with current research and new information and strategies. And so we'd like to present to you, our dear listeners, um, some short podcasts that sort of go over those roadblocks. So this is going to be the first of eight of those podcasts. And today we're going to talk about tummy time and infant containers and how that can affect early development. Um, So we hope that you will find this helpful. Um, If you haven't listened to us before or we're new to you, um, I am a physical therapist, and Lacey is a speech-language pathologist, so she's going to uh, pose some common questions that we know our listeners and many parents um, have to us about tummy time and container use, and, um, and I'll be sharing some information that I feel is really important to all families. So thanks for joining us. Hi, yeah. Lacey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> hi, hi, hi everyone. Okay.
0: So to kind of kick us off, Nicole, can you share with us, you know, I know pediatricians mentioned tummy time to first time parents, but it's really important um, that parents understand why, why tummy time, why does it matter? What kind of a difference does it make for their baby?
1: Correct. So you'll hear that early on. Um, hopefully from your pediatrician, we hope that pediatricians are sharing that information um, but oftentimes those early visits are so rushed. There's so much to get in. And there's there's frankly not a lot of time to talk about why. And we know if we understand the why of something, we're more motivated to make it happen. So um, the number one reason that tummy time is important for a young infant is, is when they're in a prone position or on their tummy, um, they are wiggling and squirming and moving against gravity. And if you think about all the early motor milestones, rolling, crawling, getting to sit, getting to stand, cruising, all of those skills require lifting one's body against gravity. And so to put it bluntly, if a baby doesn't practice using those muscles, then obtaining those early milestones is really hard because you can't use a muscle that you don't work functionally. So... um, what we know from research is that children who were placed on their tummies more consistently and the first year of life met motor milestones, particularly those related to floor mobility. So rolling, sitting, getting to sitting, crawling and pulling to stand faster than their age typical or age related peers who did not spend time on their tummies. Um, We should also note that there was a direct relationship between early cognitive and early social skills with infants who spent time on their belly compared to those who didn't. And that is because we learn by moving and doing. And so um, infants who didn't spend a lot of time on the floor exploring that there's an effect on their social interactions and their um, learning concepts, particularly around spatial Um, orientation or understanding spatial relationships of objects in their environment. There's also an indirect um, relationship to walking. So direct relationship to those floor milestones and then indirect for walking. Um, So that's the most important reason why tummy time is important. But also, um, and we can talk about this a little bit more, um, an infant who has time to play on a firm surface on their tummy has the ability to move both sides of their body equally and explore their environment to the right and to the left side. And oftentimes if they are are not given tummy time or a variety of positioning, side-lying, different positioning, they can develop an asymmetry. Um, So you may have heard of torticollis, which is a tightening of um, the neck muscle where a baby tilts their head to one side or plagiocephaly where, the back of the head is flattened. Um, I'm sure you have seen babies in helmets to correct that. Um, we have as many as 48% of babies last year um, who required, um, who had plagiocephaly and potentially required cranial remodeling because of that. And so, if their position isn't varied and if they're not using both sides of their body equally to explore, it can lead to asymmetries, which can get in the way of development. For example, maybe they couldn't use both of their hands equally to transfer toys back and forth, or maybe they only view things to one side of their body, strengthening one visual field, one eye more than the other. So it's not just physical delays, but other delays that can be associated with a lack of movement that starts from a variety of positioning. And we know that that um, infant skull, you know, everyone knows about the soft spot on the top of the head and and new parents are always so cautious as they should be to protect that soft spot. But there's many soft spots and many places where the skull kind of comes together. I I believe nine soft spots and 13 fissures where the skull comes together in a newborn skull. And, and those connections are loosely knit together in a, a newborn skull because, it's supposed to be able to compress, and there's supposed to be movement between those junctures so that the baby can safely exit the birth canal. And the older the infant gets, the more ossified that bone becomes, and those soft spots and fissures um, close. But when I explain it to parents, I often say, Your baby's head is like Play Doh. <laughs> and if you put a ball of Play Doh against a firm surface on their back too long, that Play Doh will become soft. And if you get a flattened soft spot on the head, it becomes almost like a bony ridge where it's harder for the infant to turn their head. And we know that infants' heads are proportionally bigger to their body. So if their head can't turn to one side and the body doesn't follow to roll, there's um, roadblocks or concerns with early mobility. So everything about the infant, you know the weakness of having to learn to move against gravity, their skeletal formation, it really depends on a variety of positioning. And if we're not giving children um, a break to be on their tummies because they naturally spend a lot of time on their backs, then we're depriving them of those opportunities. Right. And I think it's interesting,
0: obviously not enough tummy time um, impacts motor development, but you mentioned it also research shows it's also impacting social development.
1: Right. Um, Exactly. And you know, as a speech language pathologist, that if early social cues and interactions don't occur, then language follows, right? We need eye contact and we need imitation of social gestures as that building block for language. So yeah, it's all connected and, and it's really important, um, to get them on the floor for overall development. Yes. Very interesting.
0: Okay. So even, you know, those parents out there, even when they understand the why of tummy time, tummy time's not always easy. Baby no. doesn't always like it. It's
1: not. And this is one of those areas where I always say, you know, we're therapists and we're moms. And this is where we know that in that world, those worlds intersect, what you should do and what is practical every day as a busy parent are often different things. And so why do we commonly see parents not want to put babies on their tummy? Well, first of all, they often don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, and a new parent doesn't want their baby to cry. It's instinctual for us to care for them and for them to be happy and protected. And so they don't like it, but I will tell you if there's nothing going on and we'll talk about some things that could be going on in a a minute, but if there's nothing going on medically and a, a new baby is placed on their tummy, From day one, I often do not see a dislike for tummy time. It is natural for babies to like to be on their bellies. They flip all around in the womb. So it's natural for them to accept a variety of positions if done early. What commonly happens, and I will even say this happened with me, with my first child, and my husband is a therapist, so two therapists as parents, and we still did this. So don't feel bad if you did this or you're doing this, is... You leave the hospital and what do they do? They hand, they hand you pieces of paper that say, put your baby on their back to sleep because you don't want them to have SIDS. You need to keep them safe. And they tell you about it. And when you go to the pediatricians, they say you're, you're putting them on their back to sleep, right? Which is so important. The back to sleep program, which is now called safe sleep, um, went into effect around 1994 and, and the SIDS rates have decreased substantially, which is the most important thing. However, that message of pairing back and safety, um, hits home for new parents who just want to do it right and keep their child safe. And they often, whether they realize it or not, are scared to put their babies on their tummy. Mm -hmm. And so what I tell them is if you are in the room and they are on a firm surface, they are safe and should be on their bellies. You know, the reason why we have them on their backs when they're sleeping is because if they would spit up, they wouldn't have, they don't have the head control to clear, um, that spit up if they're on their tummies. But if you're in the room next to your baby and they're on their belly and they spit up, you're going to know. Um, and so it is not even okay. It's essential for them to be on their belly when you are alert and present, um, on a firm surface. And so I think a lot of parents wait until like four to six months. I'll just wait until they, you know, hold their head up a little better. They just seem a little sturdier, a little stockier. I know we did that with our first one. And then they take this baby who's been used to being on their back or in an upright position and put them face down on a firm surface. And what's the baby going to do? They're going to protest, right? Their protest is crying. They don't like this. This is different. What's going on? it's hard for me to see mom or dad. Now I have to lift up my head against gravity and that's not easy. Well, guess what? When I have to do Superman's at the gym or I have to do weighted squats, I protest too. The hard things sometimes, you know, get us to protest. But if from the beginning, day one, baby is introduced to that regular tummy time, they don't protest. Mm -hmm. The exception to that is if something particularly digestively is wrong. And we know that Close to half of our infants have some degree of acid reflux. Oftentimes it's very mild, but in the more severe cases, they are more comfortable being upright. And so tummy time can be uncomfortable or even painful. And I see this a lot. I see uh, referral comes, delays for, you know, lack of rolling, delayed sitting, not crawling. When I asked the parent, how did they like their tummy as a brand new baby? Hated it. Did they have reflux? Yes. And so oftentimes if, um, silent reflux or just straight reflux is significant and untreated, um, and I don't just mean medication wise, cause there's, there are a lot of considerations for reflux and medication. I even mean, uh, what they're eating when they're eating, when they're doing their tummy time around when they're eating, there's a lot of other considerations um, for reflux, but uh, reflux babies sometimes get uh, delayed motor development because of avoidance of tummy time because of discomfort. And so if that's the case, you should absolutely seek out the support of a pediatric physical therapist, because like I said, beyond medication, there are ways to alter that positioning you know, placing them on their tummy on a wedge. There's a lot of, we can talk about options in a second in tummy time in general, but, um, that's a, definitely a roadblock you want to avoid is of, you know, them not being on their tummy because they're uncomfortable because there are solutions around that for sure. Um, so I think discomfort and fear are the biggest reasons parents, avoid tummy time. I also think that they're, it's important to consider, um, individual family or cultural influences around putting babies on the floor. Some families, that's very natural. That's how they were raised. And so of course they'd put a baby on the floor because that's what they've seen done their whole life. Other babies, you know, their family never did that. And the floor's dirty or oftentimes they'll hear, you know, but there's dogs or there's older kids or there's, you know, I'm scared they'll get sick. So there are concerns, some cultures, baby wear longer. And so, um, floor avoidance is common, but regardless, um, an individual family's needs and opinions should absolutely be respected and honored and placed in, in their own spot in the family's routine. But regardless, a baby needs to be on their tummy at some point during the day. And you mentioned families that don't, you know, put baby on the floor for whatever
0: reason. And we've talked before, you know, the old playpen now mm-hmm. renamed to the pack and play. That's Absolutely. what it's for, right? To have a safe space to lay baby down,
1: put them on their tummy right. while you're sitting nearby. It's not just for travel or collection of toys. Yes. <laughs> it's to allow baby that opportunity to move, stretch, wiggle and diagonals um, while they're protected from whatever might be going on in the home. Right. Yeah. yeah, Use your playpen for playing. Yes, exactly. Okay. So moving
0: on from the pack and play slash playpen, there's other containers that I say that with air quotes that we as parents put our babies in that we are influenced by the, you know, the, the giant toy market, baby product market that we need these containers for baby. But I think
1: they sometimes can pose a problem to not getting it. They cause more harm than good oftentimes. Um, and let's just put it bluntly. Parents feel the need, uh, instinctual need to prepare for a baby to, to get what they need to get, to make that baby comfortable and to help them. And companies will sell you what you will buy. (laughs) And so over time, I mean, even, you know, our kids stretch out in age, but, even over the past decade or so there's so many more contain i call them containers seats swings saucers rockers you know everything sure. available there's so many things you can put your baby in um and i think you need very little of it um you know we joked years ago i can remember saying to you i keep getting all these referrals for a baby who can sit up really well and has great head control and trunk control, but they cannot move. They cannot get in and out of sitting. They cannot transition. They cannot roll. They cannot crawl. And when I ask the parent about their day, they will identify that the routine is sleeping, high chair, a walk in the stroller, a run to, to the store in the car seat, back to the high chair for lunch, back to the crib for naps maybe an afternoon, another errand or placed in a saucer or some kind of swing back to the high chair for dinner with very little free play time on the floor. And again, I'm not a rocket scientist, but you don't learn to transition or wiggle if you don't have time to practice transitioning or wiggling. And so, we see delays with particularly mobility skills and transition movements for kids who spend a lot of time in containers. It's like a whole thing. Right. <laughs> um those containers, again, restrict the movement. They don't yeah. allow, you
0: know, they, they hold them in one position, whether it be laying in the swing or upright in the exercise. Right.
1: And it's not like they're completely immobilized, but They don't have the freedom of movement to weight shift through their pelvis, to rotate through their trunk. You know, there's those intricacies of movement are the building blocks that make up big motor movements. And if they don't get to practice them, they don't get to put them together to make something. And so, um, you know, I tell parents, oftentimes I'll go for an evaluation And I, we work for an early intervention system in our state and, and there'll be an eligibility meeting to go over the results a few weeks later. And I'll say between now and then, I want you not to use your containers. If you put your baby down and you're present, you go to unload the dishwasher, you know, start dinner. I want you to put the baby on their belly, whether it's on the floor in the pack and play somewhere where you can see them on a firm surface. And oftentimes in two weeks that child will gain three milestones just from the simple adaptation of changing the routine and eliminating the containers. Right. Um, now, when you have parents that are more, that are very
0: attached to putting baby into containers, cause it's been their routine. That's maybe where they feel baby is safest. What do you like, how do you recommend to those parents kind of cutting
1: back a little at
0: a time from those containers? Like, I mean,
1: Yeah. We have to individualize our suggestions to something that actually works because I can say, don't use the containers, but if there are reasons why that family feels they need them, they're not going to be compliant with that recommendation. Right. So maybe we identify what's the part of your day where baby's happiest, where you could put a pack and play next to where you're working and you could start there just one time a day, changing that one segment of your routine, And adding to it, you know, parents will often ask me, well, how much tummy time? And I say on their tummy, every time you put them down, that's always my answer. Um, world health recommendation recommends at least 30 minutes a day for a one month old baby, American Academy of Pediatrics recommends two to three minutes, about five times a day, which, you know, adds up to close to the same amount. I think anecdotally, most physical therapists would tell you that's nowhere close to enough, but it's better than nothing. So starting there and, you know, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes at a stretch, five minutes after every diaper change, you know, four to five minutes, every time you put them down to run, to switch laundry or, you know, start something or attend to another child, those minutes add up. So, you know, it's kind of the same equation of like, do I expect you to do a hundred crunches right now? Or if you did five every hour, would that add up during the day? Of course it would add up during the day. Your abdominals would be stronger with the additive effect of every time you did that. It's the same for infants. It doesn't have to be in one long block. They just need the frequent exposure to a variety of positions. Okay. All right. So that's kind of the suggestion you would make
0: to parents, but now what do we do? Parents are trying to put that baby on their tummy after every diaper change to add up to the 30 minutes over, you know, across the day. But what do
1: we do when baby fusses and cries that whole five minutes every single time it happens? Right. So uh, there are some things that make tummy time more enjoyable, Um, if you have, if you have time or there's a sibling face to face with belly on the, with baby on the floor with both on belly is often very entertaining because infants are very motivated by a human face, especially people in their family that they're already bonded to early on. So face to face on the floor, on your chest, it doesn't have to be on the floor, you know, against gravity is against gravity wherever you are. So Chest to chest with parents, with parent laying on their back is a great place. Sort of like playing airplane. If you rest baby on your shins while you're on your back, of course, holding on to them, you know, you can then sort of like rock your legs or bounce your legs to give them some movement. I haven't met a baby who doesn't really love being on their belly on a large yoga ball or therapeutic ball where you can, of course, keep hands on the whole time but bounce or rock them gently, the movement can be quite helpful for babies that do have that digestive discomfort. A wedge can be very helpful where gravity helps keep the contents of the belly um, down. So head up, feet down. Not every family has a wedge. It's really easy to make one out of a firm couch cushion or lawn furniture cushion with a pillow underneath one end. Um, that can be a great place. Infants love, um, geometric black and white images, which you can download off the internet or even just make with a white piece of paper and a Sharpie. They love to look at themselves in the mirror. So a mirror is a great thing to have in front of them on their tummy, even just holding them over your forearm in a tummy down position is a great place just to get some tummy time or over your lap. Um, just really a variety of positions. Sometimes that can make it easier. Also with the with the kids with GI disturbances or reflux, trying to get that tummy time in pre-feeding, but before they're starving is a good suggestion. So that if they are refluxing what they're eating, there's nothing in the belly to reflux when they're getting on their tummy that can make it more enjoyable. We don't want them to associate floor time with pain. So it's important to sort of schedule it that way to make it more comfortable. Right. So you mentioned like giving the baby something
0: visually interesting to look at can help with tummy time. So maybe us adults should lay on the floor and look around and be like, okay, would I want to look at the the feet of my chair
1: or the carpet or the baseboard? No. So of course that's not going to be fun for them. And even, you know, if grandparents are babysitting or someone with mobility challenges cares for a child and they have a hard time getting on the floor, I've often put baby on the kitchen table with parent or caretaker at a chair because they're eye to eye level, right? Um, Right. Obviously you're not going to leave a baby on a table, but if you're there with hands on, that's a great, interesting environment to get them to lift their head and look at you. Right. And I was even thinking, you know, you mentioned changing diapers. If you have a
0: changing table, you're not quite at baby's eye level, but you're closer. So you could just bend down a little bit and be at baby's eye level pretty easily or down on a stool next to them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It's and so, parents, even with the most resistant baby, I've had really compliant parents say it really does get better every day because baby gets stronger and they get more comfortable. Sure. just Like the longer we go to the gym, the less we complain. Right. Increasing the opportunities makes the difference. Right.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So we've talked about why tummy time. We've talked about some of the obstacles that parents face and that babies face um, that you know makes tummy time unpleasant. And we've talked about strategies to improve tummy time to help get baby through it with less fussing and um, less fear or anxiety from the parent. We've talked about containers and we've talked about the effects. If we don't get enough tummy time, what? how does that affect baby? We've talked about that, how it impacts development pretty much overall, um, not just motor skills. So anything else you wanna share
1: with the audience about tummy time? One thing I just wanna say is that um, sometimes when babies either are hesitant to tummy time, it's kinda like what came first, the chicken or the egg. If if you haven't heard the word torticollis, you've probably seen a baby with a torticollis, which means they kinda tilt their head or prefer to look to one side. And we see that in about four to 16% of infants. And it, it can be caused by numerous things, even in as far back as positioning in the womb, um, where the baby's crowded in the womb and a presence of a torticollis can make tummy time more difficult. And a child who doesn't spend a lot of time on their tummy is at a higher risk for torticollis. So they kind of go hand in hand. But one thing that I think is really important to say just while we're at, the topic because it is so common. If you notice your baby prefers one side, please, please, please bring it up with your doctor super early and advocate for an early referral um, to physical therapy. And I'll tell you why. It is often very treatable fairly quickly if referred early. American Academy of Pediatrics did a super interesting study. where they found that if physical therapy was started in the first month for babies who had torticollis 98% of those babies improved and were done with physical therapy within one and a half months. Wow. If they wait just one more month and they're not referred until two months of age, they typically are in physical therapy for an average of six months. Wow. And if they, if the referral doesn't come until after six months, The baby is typically in physical therapy for eight to 10 months with fewer babies completing resolution of the torticollis in the United States right now, two thirds of our babies aren't referred until the three to four month mark. And one third aren't referred until the five to six month mark. Um, so, um, I love that this study was done by American Academy of Pediatrics for pediatricians so that they would be armed with the information for early referral. That being said, don't ever hesitate to advocate for your child if you notice the preference and advocate early. And if the pediatrician says, let's wait and see, share this information. Say, I listened to a podcast with a physical therapist who said, if you refer me early, I won't have to be in physical therapy with my baby for very long. And that's what I'd like to do. Um, because like I said before, the preference to look to one side is super common and can get in the way of development. It's one of the major roadblocks. When we sat down to talk about this roadblock series, that was number one in my mind because we see it so often. Um, and, and through the years, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, the past, I'd say four ish years, way more common. And I, I do think it has a lot to do with all those baby containers. Mm-hmm. Um, so advocate early. If you see a preference, worst case scenario, the PT does an evaluation and says nothing to see here. You look great. Um, most states early offer a free evaluation through early intervention. You can also go through your insurance with an outpatient therapist. There are even cash-based therapists. So there's lots of options um, throughout the United States and even the world. Um, so certainly um, just take that into consideration to advocate early for yourself.
0: Yeah, and I just want to encourage the you know parents to remember you're the expert on your child, right? It can seem intimidating to go and advocate for your child to the pediatrician who is the expert on child development, whom you trust to give you the best advice. But that pediatrician sees your child for a very small amount of time. So they're not observing all that you're observing at home. So never, ever be worried or afraid to mention something to your pediatrician to advocate for your child to get, you know, that referral to a, a early intervention or to a specialist, like a physical therapist, if you're seeing anything at home, um,
1: and take pictures, you know, a a baby never does what they do at home during that visit. So I always tell parents, if you've noticed when you're showing them a toy, they only look to one side, take pictures, take videos that you can take it to the pediatrician and show them, Yes, you know, this is what we're consistently seeing. Um, yeah. And just be sure to, you know, tummy time. Yes. Sideline, Yes. But present toys to both sides, present people to both sides. Um, if you're breastfeeding, you're obviously using both sides. They'll turn their heads both ways. But if you're bottle feeding, change the position of what arm you hold them in, even though it might be a little awkward based on your hand dominance, just to get that, that neck moving in both directions early on. Right. Okay good advice. Thank you for all that great information. Sure. I hope it's helpful. You know, we share um, I with pictures of tummy time alternatives, um, have some resources on our blog, certainly about Tell me, time. Um, like we mentioned in the beginning, where we are updating um, our roadblocks course, and that will be available soon through MedBridge. If you are a therapist and you're interested in learning more, particularly more detail about this um, in a professional mannerism, we have a link on our website, milestonesandmiracles.com. Under professionals, there's a CEU tab, and we have a substantial discount um, on a year's worth of unlimited MedBridge courses available to you with a code PLAY. Certainly check that out. Um, We both use it. Um, I love that there is a home exercise builder for physical therapists that I can send my parents a digital home exercise program, and there's some prone activities in there. Um, so that's been super helpful, especially with, um, virtual therapy in the past year, but even ongoing, Uh, you know, we know that for most families, a printed handout is going to be tossed, but something they can have on their phone is, um, much more common now and, and practical to be shared with whoever's, um, taking care of the child. So certainly check that out. Um, engage with us on social media about any questions you might have regarding tummy time, equipment, or anything like that. Um, What else am I forgetting? Oh, one, two, three, just play with me available on our um, website and on Amazon and select um, regional developmental toy shops has some great suggestions and an easy to use format of ways to encourage Play, early play zero to three but particularly in regards to tummy time there are suggestions for positioning um, and play in different positions to sort of avoid this roadblock associated with lack of tummy time
0: yes all right thank you all for listening to the first in our eight part series of roadblocks to natural development and we hope that you will tune in for the next seven to follow. Be watching for those to be posted on our social media accounts when the podcasts are recorded and ready to go. And thank you, Nicole, again, for all your expertise.
1: Have a good day, everyone. Bye-bye.